Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome to Series 3, Episode 15 of From Page to Practice. This is the final episode of this academic year, but fear not, there are lots of books lined up to be featured in Series 4, beginning in September. In this episode, we are lucky to have seven different reader contributions, and we begin with author Helen Howell giving us an introduction to the book. Hi everyone, I'm delighted and feel very privileged that Page to Practice are doing a session on the Revision Revolution, and thank you for all the reader contributions. The book was really born out of a frustration around the way that we traditionally approach revision, which risks disadvantaging the disadvantage and widening the achievement gap. By neglecting the how of revision and focusing instead on the simple fact that students should revise, even perhaps offering a few resources with which to do it, our more privileged learners, those with a wealthy family and maybe a private tutor, will likely revise. But what about those without these factors who may also struggle with literacy and find independent learning challenging, perhaps even impossible? What this book sets out to do is provide a way of showing students not just how to revise with evidence-based strategies, but also explain why by introducing them to cognitive science. It aims to debunk what revision is and reimagine revision as accessible for all. Reimagine revision as something social and even irresistible. The book aims to smooth the transition between school and further education by explicitly teaching study skills and opening doors for students of all abilities. Essentially, what I wanted to do was remove some of the traditional associations with revision of anxiety and fear and really associating it with exams, assessments, tests and make it into a much more positive experience. And ideally, from year seven or even sooner, to really normalise study and particularly effective study so that by the time students do get to exam season, they actually feel very, very confident and very used to being in this habit of effective study. And therefore, in terms of feeling confident and feeling like this is very achievable, that is absolutely feelings that they are now associating revision with. So the book is structured in steps and I'm just going to talk briefly about each of the steps. Firstly, I'm aware that every context is different. So the reason behind structuring it in this way is so that you in your school can start wherever you feel is appropriate, um, depending on your particular revision journey. There is an order at the beginning of the book which schools or trusts can use to determine the strengths and areas for development again, according to where they are in their revision journey. So step one is curriculum, because without a strong curriculum, there's little point in embedding effective study. The knowledge in the curriculum needs to be revision worthy, if you like. And it's only the subject specialists who are aware of their unique context who are able to determine 
if their curriculum is revision worthy and if it is brimming with that powerful knowledge, making revision irresistible because students desperately want to remember that learning. Then step two is getting your first key stakeholders on board and I suggest having a staff training model that begins with three sessions on retrieval practice, sharing the science but also offering practical strategies for staff to use in their subject areas. Step three is looking at our favourite stakeholder, the students, and I suggest starting with the super keen year seven cohort that come into school as these little sponges, you know, very, very eager to please. And it's also, secondary school is this brave new world for them anyway. So introducing them into a slightly different culture around revision and study seems like the ideal opportunity. I am very passionate about words and word meanings. Um, I am a head of English, so you can see where that comes from. So one of the things that I discuss in step three is starting with the morphology of the word revision and showing students that actually when we break this word down, it just means looking again. It's got nothing to do with exams or tests or, you know, there's nothing to be fearful of. So debunking any misconceptions around what revision is, when you should revise, what revision looks like, and really kind of shattering some of those illusions around revision that they might have from older siblings, and then piecing it all back together into something very low stakes, very non-threatening, and dare I say, enjoyable. Step four is the characteristics of a lesson that explicitly teaches study skills. So it looks at key features like retrieval activities, um, bridging the gap between factual recall and higher order thinking. So again, there might be a bit of debunking to be done there around the fact that retrieval isn't just remembering facts. It's about developing a schema where the more students can remember facts and connect them to existing prior knowledge, the more that actually develops into clearer understanding and enables them to develop more complex ideas in a subject. Step five looks at how we might make revision social by using metacognitive strategies where students coach one another, they quiz in pairs and they use elaborative interrogation to question and extend one another's thinking. So this is really, again, a bit of a culture shift because traditionally in the way that our exam system is set up, students are pitted against one another. It's very much a competitive system. But step five is actually putting them on the same side and they're working together, supporting one another to succeed and therefore again fostering those really positive connotations around revision. Step six is a full fully resourced pastoral curriculum that teaches the science of learning so that students understand exactly why it's helpful to revise using things like dual coding, a range of generative learning strategies, Leitner method flashcards, Cornell notes, Um, And and I do feel quite strongly that if we want students to revise in a specific way, you know, they're intelligent young people and it is worth sharing, not necessarily in a massive amount of detail, but it is worth sharing the rationale behind that same way as we'd never lead staff training without explaining why we're doing this bit of training. It's the same with the students. We need them to buy into this way of studying. And if we make it really clear how it's going to help them, then they absolutely stand more chance of buying into it. Step seven looks at how we might use senior leaders or heads of year to support our revision journey with appropriate assemblies. 
how we can engage parents and perhaps most powerfully using senior students to promote study skills through the school. Step 8 offers a range of simple homework revision tasks that students can complete independently in line with principles of retrieval and effective practice. So there is some information about the EEF guidance on effective homework in there as well. And then finally, Step 9 asks questions, including a re-audit to assess the first year of the revision revolution in your particular context, offering guidance on how to make it sustainable. So what I hope that this book offers is a step-by-step approach to a culture change where all elements of the school feed into a culture of effective study that enables all students to achieve. I really hope you've enjoyed reading it and I'm looking forward to hearing about how any readers and schools have begun to implement their own revision revolution. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks for that introduction, Helen. Up first from our readers is Steph. Steph is so enthusiastic about this book that she sent me this contribution absolutely ages ago. Steph's tweeted lots about the work she's doing, so I look forward to hearing more about it. Hi, I'm Steph Langhake. Um, I am a Spanish teacher in a grammar school in the northwest. I'm currently doing my MPQ LTD. For my first formative assessment in this qualification, I wanted to look at the implementation of revision in school. I know it's something that we don't necessarily do as effectively as we could. And it's also linking into my passion for CPD, teacher training, all of that. Um, To me, it was a really obvious project to to embark on in my setting at the moment. Uh, My head teacher heard about my project and recommended this book to me. Um, which I'm very grateful for because I couldn't put it down and it's ultimately it saved me a lot of time because it's taken a lot of the ideas that I was having and I was starting to plan on and it's already taken them to the next level or given me ideas on how I could run them, produce them, adapt them for myself. So it's been an invaluable book. I, you know, I couldn't have progressed as quickly as I have in my current project without it, to be honest. Um, So prior to reading the book, I had a year eight pilot group and I was teaching them the basic techniques in revision. This is in Spanish specifically. Um, I gave them a a test before I taught them the strategies and then another test afterwards. And I asked to see their evidence along the way to make sure that they were actually revising. Um, And I saw over seven weeks, I saw a 20% increase in their scores plus their positivity towards doing homework, towards revising. It was amazing. The the change in their feedback and comments was brilliant. So my next step within my MPQ plan was to roll this out to Key Stage 3 languages with an ultimate plan to roll it out across the school. However, it was so successful, I've been asked to roll out to all of Key Stage 3, regardless of subject before the summer holidays. So again, this book was just amazing because it's really helped me to plan my strategies a lot more effectively. Um, Just for a bit of background, at the moment, my school only does one day of revision for year 11. And it sits usually about a week, two weeks before their mock exams in a normal school year, not in a COVID school year. So, you know, that isn't good enough. We all know it isn't. Um, which is why I saw the glaring projects to do. Um, My takeaways, 
primarily are building this revision culture, taking away the fear. Um, and also Helen really goes into detail about working with all stakeholders, not just students. This is for parents or whoever's at home and staff to work on as well. You know, it's it doesn't have to be just the student and the teacher. We don't even necessarily know the right strategies because we didn't learn them when we were doing our teacher training, if you been teaching for as long as me so it's really really important to get everyone on board and I think from a language perspective especially parents often tell me at parents evenings oh I can't help because I didn't do Spanish myself and it's if you're doing it effectively if you're doing quizzing especially you don't need to know because the answers are written there for you if the flashcards are done effectively if the quizzes are done effectively so we need to get people involved and we need to take away the fear for them as well um, that is something, especially in languages, because we have an extra fear factor. Um, with this, there are really comprehensive ideas to build on stakeholder engagement step by step. Um, and also this reinforces ideas that I'd already had, so I'm really grateful for them. Um, with other ideas in the book, we've got links to peer mentoring. Now, we already have that set up from someone else's MPQ. Um, but then I would take this on and get them practiced on how to revise so that they can help their mentees. Um, we, I'm looking at a website that was a great idea within the book as well. One pager ideas to go on the website as well as modelling as well as videos to create that homeschool link and give an opportunity for all stakeholders to engage in the revision revolution. You know, let's get everyone on board. Um taking it back a step again, stakeholders within the school, we need staff to know how to revise. I personally never knew how to do it when I was at school. No one ever taught me. No one ever taught me on my PGCE. It's only now that I've been teaching for so long that I've thought up ideas and we're all starting to get onto this evidence-based bandwagon, which is a great bandwagon to get on, um, to help students help themselves. We need them to be independent. We need them to take it on and not be spoon fed all the time if they really are to be experts in our subjects um so with that in mind we need to train staff on how to revise so that they can build it into their faculties so that they can build retrieval in quizzing flashcards effectively so that they can model how to do it to the students first time round and then students can do it themselves going forwards it needs to be a whole school consistency you know one of the ideas in the book is to build a bank of questions or resources to avoid work overload because obviously by taking something new on we don't want to give teachers even more work we are already drowning a lot of us so that's a great idea however at some point teachers are going to need the time to create this bank and hopefully it'll be a one-off idea because, you know, my Spanish questions will be very different from a technology question or a maths question. But it's about starting the wheel. Get the wheel in motion. Let's start getting staff on board and see the long-term benefits from a short-term task. So that's really what I've taken away from this book. I mean, there's more. There's so much more. It's so relevant for everyone at every walk of life. We've got ideas for starters we've got ideas for old timers like me it's just a really fantastic book and if you are starting to think about revision 
and how it fits into your setting it's fantastic for me it's it's just consolidated a lot of the ideas I already had and it's helping me just implement them a little bit quicker and I'm very lucky to live near Helen Howell and I've been in touch with her too much I'm probably pestering her now she's been so friendly and welcoming and responsive to all of my questions and it's just really helped me feel more confident in myself in rolling out this revision revolution within my school so I really recommend it it's a fantastic read you're listening to from page to practice Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Steph. As someone starting the MPQLTD in the autumn and working on a project with learning skills whole school, this is really useful and inspiring to hear. We have two Alexes on the podcast today, and here is the first. Hi, everyone. My name's Alex Goodall, and I'm a newly appointed middle leader. I'm the Director of Science at Bridlington School in the East Riding of Yorkshire. Uh, I pre-ordered this book when it first popped up on either Twitter or Amazon as I was really captivated by the title The Revision Revolution, How to Build a Culture of Effective Study in Your School It was the building a culture aspect that drew me to the book as building a culture to me means a long-term change in how students and teachers approach something I remember at school and even just before teacher training uh, thinking a revision is something that's done in the few weeks before an exam doesn't work, especially if studying doesn't come naturally to you, which is most of us. The title of the book said to me, let's explicitly teach students how to embed revision from an early stage. For us in secondary school, that's year seven. We've worked really hard over the last couple of years to embed retrieval practice into all our lessons, and students are reaping the rewards now, not only in summative assessments, but in everyday use in their classroom learning journeys, and I felt this book could help us extend this work. I attended the book launch CPD that Ross and Helen hosted, which is still available on YouTube, and I'm excited that our teaching and learning working group next year is going to be based around the study cycle, which is everything this book encapsulates. I really like how the book is aimed at teachers, students and parents alike, and acknowledges that we use the word revision without students and parents understanding the memory model, which is something we would definitely be thinking about moving forward. The idea that to learn the words to a song by heart requires hours of repetition is something I think is tangible to students' understanding of how we learn. Nobody enters school knowing how to revise, but if we build a culture where revision is explicitly taught alongside metacognitive skills, um, we can build students' confidence um, leading to their success. I like how the book acknowledges that for a culture to be built, a strategy needs to be whole school. Um, empowering all stakeholders to become experts on revision. Students need to not just know what to revise, but how to revise. And success builds on success, so students can go onwards and upwards. The book starts with a RAG rating section for each stakeholder and offers a timeline that spans a year, showing that this is not something that can be uh, fixed quickly, but a revolution for all. We started um, our revolution this summer term, as the book suggests in chapter one, by revolutionising our curriculum. We did an activity where, as a department, we went back to basics and used the national curriculum statements to resequence our curriculum. This took us away from the specification and textbook sequence and allowed us to think about how our subject really links together to tell a story, helping to make our curriculum accessible and challenging. 
We've decided to start each year with a re-engaging unit as lots of our students will have had uh, uh, very little, if any, opportunities to build their science capital over the summer holidays. And we feel this will allow us to re-engage and hook our students back in early on, showing them why we love science and also helping create buy-in for our students. From there, we looked at the important knowledge um, in the curriculum to ensure our students are repeatedly bumping into it and embedding working scientifically skills throughout to help our students talk, read and write like scientists. We then use uh, subject specialists within the department to tell the story um, for each strand and document this alongside the national curriculum statements, helping us to understand our rationale, but also making it more memorable and exciting for students. The second chapter of the book looks at the importance of engaging all stakeholders. I like the idea that the book talks about slow and steady wins the race and the importance of being patient as uh, sustainable change takes time and depends on your context. We're now on a journey to get buying from all stakeholders, or at least 75% of them, for a revolution to work. Our stakeholders are students, teachers, our support staff, SLT, governors and parents. I hadn't appreciated till I read the book that we actually started our journey at least a year ago. The book talks about the importance of retrieval practice to the, the, uh, this revolution. And um, for us, us, this became a whole school priority last or this academic year. Um, due to it being a whole school priority, we now have compliance within the science department with staff buying in and understanding the benefits, as well as seeing their students reap the rewards. We are going to spend next academic year striving for improvement in our retrieval techniques. It was good to hear from the book that in kickstarting this journey, we are starting to encourage students to become self-regulated learners um, who are starting to uh, understand how we make learning stick. Um, for us on our journey, we now have a well-sequenced curriculum that identifies what students need to know and a good understanding of what retrieval is and why we do it. Some of us whole school have started to introduce um, this to our students in the form of the forgetting pit, which um, we found on Twitter as an alternative way of looking at the memory model. Um, and students are starting to share this um, within other departments. Um, so our revolution is slowly moving through the school. Our priority now is to build, um, or one of our priorities is to build cross-curricular links and spend time working with other departments to look at our common powerful knowledge to help students further build schema. The book highlights the importance of retrieval starting in year seven for the revolution to work. We will be getting into each other's classrooms more next year to share and support great practice and opportunities for us all to improve. Nothing motivates more than success and that's either great teachers being able to articulate the benefits of retrieval or students confidently retrieving as part of lesson routines. We're well on our way with our short-term goals um, to get buy-in from staff and students, but getting to this point still took a year. Um, so far, the book has talked about the importance of starting the journey in Year 7, um, for secondary schools at least. And in Chapter 3, it discusses how best to do this. Um, it is best to start the revision revolution journey with year sevens when they're shiny and new um, and empowering them to become independent learners. The book talks about um, how important it is to remove the negativity early on around the word revision 
Um, this might have been introduced either during year six sats or from watching older siblings in stressful times before this revolution. The book looks at um, retraining students about the what, why and how of revision, starting simply with the words origins, which simply means um, revision, seeing again. We're moving away from linking the word um, revision with exam preparation and using it to promote, uh, sorry, we are using it to promote lifelong learning. Uh, the book highlights that in order to get students on board, they must understand the science of learning and how the memory model works, how we learn and therefore why they should join the revolution. For this to be successful, all staff and parents must also understand the whys and hows of effective revision um, and support staff as well as teachers must be able to model them um, this with confidence in the classroom. So I'd really recommend this chapter when preparing to deliver staff training in the area. For the revolution to be successful, we must create low stakes environments in our classrooms and this is the focus of chapter four. Students must feel safe to make mistakes um, because if they knew everything, they wouldn't need to be in our classrooms. Students need to feel that mistakes are welcome and used as learning opportunities. It was a welcome read to see the term engagement debunked as being associated with fun activities rather than deep learning and that gimmicks have no place in the classroom. Students can just as easily be engaged as a result of high challenge and academic rigour. Lessons don't need to be, in inverted commas, fun for them to be enjoyable. I still get that asked a lot, uh, asked that a lot by students. They come into the classroom and say, is today's lesson going to be fun? My response is always, yes, all science is fun, let me show you. The chapter looks at lots of examples from PE to maths and includes scripts for uh, moving retrieval from factual recall to higher order thinking our students need to help build um, schema, including the importance of follow-up questions from teachers um, that further build schema but also address misconceptions early on. The chapter looks more in depth at how retrieval practice um, allows students to become responsible for their own learning um, and teaches um, them to identify what they do know from what they don't know as well as acknowledging that teachers need to use this to identify where reteaching might be needed, which then for us adds another level of us being reflective practitioners. Um, the chapter also looks at the importance of note-taking and I like how the chapter encourages students to make corrections in a different colour so they can easily identify what they do know from what they don't know. This was my mantra during lockdown learning and has continued into my classroom. The chapter and its examples hinge on the importance of feedback and the metacognitive skills students need um, to identify where and how to improve. All of this um, needs modelling by teachers and support staff so students can be explicitly taught how to access and use feedback to move their progress forward. It's not something that will come naturally to our students but if it's modelled effectively and consistently by staff in the department and whole school uh, we can help our students to become self-regulated learners and this will be a big part of our revolution. Um, there are a few more chapters to the book but I'm going to leave my review here for now. In the remaining chapters the book looks at training students to coach each other, um, using the pastoral curriculum to teach the science of learning 
building up that shared vision by all stakeholders, um, using homework that's meanif- meaningful and sustaining the revolution. And this is a journey that we're still on. I'm really looking forward to continuing our journey, building a culture of a vision in our school. I know the book supports lots of linked evidence-informed practice um, in how to help students on their learning journeys. I really like the idea that last uh, week, day, minute cramming could be a thing of the past. If a culture is created properly, even if the night before morning uh, anxiety never goes away, we'll have taught our students how to retain knowledge so very little can go wrong in them progressing to the next level of their journey and taking their knowledge and understanding of the science of learning and therefore the revolution with them as they got onwards and upwards. Thanks for listening. Bye. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks, Alex. Seeing as we have the pleasure of two Alexes today, we may as well head straight on to the second. Hi, I'm Alex Hughes. I'm an ECT in secondary English. I am about to embark on my second year of teaching practice. I've arrived at this wonderful profession later on, having had a career change. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I do actually feel fortunate that I was able to overcome um, the socioeconomic impact on my education, my educational journey. I didn't complete my degree until I was a lot older with my two young children at school. But I am fortunate that I have reached a point in my life where I have overcome those challenges and I'm able to be part of this wonderful profession, but also to to bring with that all the passion that I can muster to ensure that every child in my care, in my classroom, have the powerful knowledge, the access to the powerful knowledge, the access to the, the rich curriculum that they too can have as many opportunities as as they deserve that they they have that right to i had the good fortune during my training year to be mentored by helen and i do have slight imposter syndrome that i'm even discussing her her work uh, inspiring as always um i was privileged enough to have helen model to me how relentlessly and meticulously she instills academic rigour for each and every student in her classroom in her care excellence and progression is at the forefront of her practice and I can only hope to to be half of the teacher that she is I endeavour to constantly reflect on on what I do and reflect on everything I learned within my training year everything that I still continue to learn Helen talks throughout her book about the importance that that need for explicit vocabulary instruction in lesson time. I constantly bring those child-friendly definitions into the classroom. Helen has helped me to craft that strategy that I, I, I can do that and, and it, it's prevalent in the book. We need to teach um those child-friendly definitions, we need to provide opportunities for students to engage with that word on on every level, to be able to see it in context, in, in lots of different contexts, and provide examples before then going forward to, to create their own example, to really demonstrate that they have that understanding, that they've honed that understanding. 
Helen talks consistently about closing the achievement gap, about bridging that social injustice. I constantly consider and research ways in which I can embed new strategies within my practice. I read a lot of pedagogy and having read the revision revolution cover to cover and devoured as much as I can, um, I'm completely inspired and know that I have successfully embedded a lot of strategies into into my practice. I'm not in a position to make any departmental changes. I'm not uh, responsible for curriculum mapping, but I have a plethora of strategies which I can use emanating out of this book. I have to say the the one key takeaway, if I had to choose one, Um, that's had the largest impact so far on my teaching is simply changing the language I use around revision, around how a student learns, around how a student thinks, around how a student is a student for life. Um, When I read the section on the fear that we can instill as educators, I I cringed basically because obviously I I haven't had a lot of experience in teaching year 11 but I did fall into the trap of, of, of using some of the language that now I know isn't um, encouraging for them to hear it, it's not encouraging for them to hear that oh this is your future in your hands you need to revise you absolutely have to attend these last minute uh, ditch attempts revision sessions and and I I completely understand why they're there, but also I can understand what work we can do at Key Stage 3 in order to to harness that love of learning, to harness that self-belief that they are academic students, they can achieve, they can become good learners, they know how to learn, they understand the, the foundations of effective learning. Um, so yeah, the first thing that I did was change my language. I, I didn't have a lot of time to change it at year 11, but I definitely, definitely changed it at key stage three. And it was particularly interesting at progress evening with parents to see how discussing the, the, the pupil in front of me as a student pitching to them that you are an academic student, you are able to achieve, you are able to study and in order to do, to achieve all your aspirations and dreams, you need to behave like a student and part of that now is independent study. And they became so enthusiastic. I had my year eights coming into class just from from that progress evening Um bringing non-fiction articles that they've been reading independently because I encourage them to to perhaps start with something obviously that they're interested in but perhaps in a field that they eventually wanted to work in. I had one student who who wanted to to go into the police police force so I challenged them to to research around uh, what it would take, what they would need to be uh, in the police force um, and and they've just taking it on board and become my enthusiastic students. The parents also became really enthusiastic um, finding out the ways in which they can support their children just by having that explicit conversation around 
becoming a lifelong learner, becoming an independent student rather than revision being a bolt-on or something that we we quickly do at year 10 and year 11. They start now, they, they start to change their habits and, again, changing my language in the classroom so that pupils have a real understanding of how we learn, why independent study is important and ensuring that homework is purposeful so that two contributes in a more purposeful way to their learning, to the retrieval of of knowledge and, and committing committing that that powerful knowledge to long-term memory. The Revision Revolution addresses the importance of oracy in the classroom, how oracy is the foundation of effective reading and writing. I have a couple of strategies that I always use. I always use think, pair, share. I always use cold calling and no opt out. Sometimes I use the call and response, particularly when practicing how to pronounce new vocabulary. I thought I had quite a high level of oracy in the classroom. Um, On reflection, I was surprised at the amount of children who who were quite passive during these activities. Um, Helen quotes Tom Sherrington, he warns that students may often sit through whole lessons without rehearsing using language. Um, as I said, I was surprised when I did notice those those pupils who weren't taking taking their part. So I became more rig- rigorous in this um, this area of my practice. I use Helen's listening activity, which I found particularly useful at the start of a lesson. So a do now activity or or a starter activity rather to, to um, ensure all students are, are engaged and focused. It's very low stakes, very low threat, but it ensures that both children, children work in pairs and perhaps this week I've 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 used it for um retrieval of gothic tropes in the gothic genre. Um but both pupils must write the list down and both pupils must read it to one another and rehearse that. I then target those pupils who are reluctant in coming forward in oracy activities, ensuring they've rehearsed an answer, ensuring that they've given the answer to me and then I will cold call to make sure that they're they're having that opportunity to speak in class. Um, A couple of other strategies for practising oracy skills that I have used from the book are um, paraphrasing. So rather than a pupil reading their... A definition of vocabulary for instance from their exercise book once they've done that I then ask them to put that into their own words and then perhaps bounce that around the class asking pupils to to use the word in a sentence just to make sure that that we're not just repeating um something which has been written down um, another thing I do is uh, if a student asks a question, I call on other pupils to answer, again, to instill oracy in the classroom. Um, and another thing I've done more recently is if a pupil is perhaps stuck on where to go with an essay plan, etc., I'll ask one of my pupils 
who have um, finished their plan and actually at the point to start writing, I ask them to sit with that pupil and talk through their plan with them and then give the other pupil that chance to ask questions about um, what they could perhaps do, what they could borrow from, from the other student. Again, just getting students to feel comfortable discussing academically with one another. I could go on. There's plenty of other strategies that I've used, but I've 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 chosen the the key the key ones. Um, but yeah, I I look forward to to drawing on this expertise even more. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Bye. You're listening to from page to practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag page practice podcast. Next up, we have a reader of the book who very kindly invited me on his Teacher Hug radio show earlier this year to talk all things edgy books and this podcast. So it's great to have him on. So hello, everyone. I'm Gaurav Dubey. Um, I'm a head of English. I'm also a subject network lead for English and I'm an evidence lead in education. And today I'm talking about the wonderful book, The Revision Revolution, How to Build a Culture of Effective Study in Your School by um, Helen Howell. Um, and I have to say it's a book I absolutely love. The moment I actually bought this book, um, I remember that um, I was incredibly excited and started highlighting many, many, many different parts of the book. Um, and it's been really, really useful for me in terms of thinking about how we um, put together revision strategies at a department level, um, less so at a school level, although I'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit more later on. Um, but just the first thing I really want to talk about before I um, really look at the thing that I've learned most from it is the structure of this particular book. It is called A Revision Revolution, which means that everybody in your school um, is involved um, in developing the teaching habits, the pedagogical thought um, that uh, really is, is important to have effective revision and that this actually begins from year seven um, and carries on all the way through. And for me, that was a very, very interesting um, point to start off with Be for someone like me who's been teaching for many, many years, and I won't say how long for obvious reasons, um, but for me, revision has always been preparing for either an end of unit um, exam or something that students have to do very very heavily in year 11. But what Helen really argues and argues really well is that if those revision strategies aren't taught from year 7 um, onwards and they're not taught explicitly, um, then we shouldn't be surprised that our students find revising when they get to year 11 such a difficult task. And for a school like mine where um, revision really has been one of the things that our students struggle with, particularly in English. This book has, in fact, become a very, very important um, tool in helping us as a depart at a department level to really think about revision and to really put in some really simple strategies that will help um, employ that. And so before I start talking about the main strategy that we're using that we, we got from the book, um, I just want to talk about the, the structure of it, which looks at sort of like the nine steps that lead to this revision revolution, which begins with looking at the sort of revolutionary curriculum and that revision, in fact, is not just a pedagogical thing, but it's in fact a curriculum issue and that we need to build in opportunities, whether that's through um, retrieval or whether that is um, through... Um, any other sort of aspect that you're looking at, where we're building in that ethos of revising very, very um, early on. Um, and that curriculum is not just 
held at sort of like a teaching and learning level, but it's also part of the pastoral curriculum too, which is something I found incredibly interesting because I used this book with my year 11 form um, to really look at some revision strategies and how they can um, revise effectively. Um, and what was interesting was following people feedback, many students said that using that time during form, um, during tutor time to think about revision was incredibly important for them and really gave them the strategies to revise, but also to cope with the sort of mental pressures that we, that kind of surround um, revision as well. So for me, that was um, incredibly um, interesting. The second part is calling all comrades and that it is in fact a whole school has to be invested in developing that revision, um, that revision revolution. We've started, as I said, at department level and actually developing that at department level is something that wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be because a book really puts together the, the case for um, uh, developing that ethos of, of revision as well. Your junior revo uh, revolutionaries, but also having revolutionary lessons where the lesson focuses on, on revision as you are building knowledge, um, that uh, revolutionary coaching. But step six, which is an important one for, for me, is revolutionary well-being. How to build resilience and how to build up those coping um, mechanisms for students, um, you know, so that they can revise effectively, that they can uh, deal with those emotions. And step seven, which is probably... Um, Something my school is starting to look at very closely is having those senior revolutionaries, that senior leadership behind you, um, who who are supporting what you're doing as um, uh, at ground level, I suppose, in order to develop those revision strategies. And then uh, re revolutionary homestead in Viva Revolution, okay, um, uh, at the end there. Um, really, really important steps in, in order to develop um revision revolution and one of the things that I'm going to talk about is one of the recommendations that um, Helen makes and this is step three when we're talking about junior revolutionaries in in key stage three is having um, a set of self-testing flashcards and this is interestingly something that we were starting to employ after reading Amnimish Lad's um, uh, uh, the Marge model sort of in action um, book um, and this was something that we were starting to deploy and we were starting to use with some success with our students at um, key stage three and um, onwards and this has really become our main revision strategy now in English um, where simply you have a set of flashcards um, that are looking at key concepts or key ideas um, and then you're revising those regularly you're coming back to those uh, particular things um, to ensure that you're you're remembering and um uh, helen cites um uh puja agrawal um and uh bain who talk about three strategies of using that those flashcards it's firstly to retrieve the information is to reorder the information so they shuffle their de um, deck so it adds this kind of set of desirable difficulties and then they repeat what they're looking at so that um things are less likely to forget for uh, forgotten over time and the learning is more likely to be embedded in terms of their long-term memory but one really really important thing that we had from helen howell as i said this was a strategy that we were already adopting is this idea of extra support um, this is the thing that has made it work for us the flashcard process will need to be modeled in order for students to be able to complete it independently and correctly that was perhaps something we weren't doing at the start and we were having sort of mixed success with it 
because we hadn't modeled how we could use this strategy effectively. But as soon as we started to model it under the visualizer as a department, as soon as we started to look at the different ways we could use those flashcards and actually went through a period of a couple of weeks actually showing them how to put it in different parts of their deck and uh, shuffle, shuffling it and how it works, um, it became more and more effective. Um, and we certainly saw that into, with pupil voice. And it's a shame I don't have the data at hand to, to talk about now, but we saw a marked improvement of the students who found this uh, flashcard process useful once it had been modelled explicitly for them. And it sounds like a very, very simple thing to do, but even explicitly modelling um, the revision strategies that you, that you use can have such a strong effect on, on, on our pupils. Um, one thing I did say that this is we're currently doing this and using the book at department level. But what's very, very interesting now is that at a school level, um, our um, assistant head who's in charge of revision and study skills is really, really looking at some of the strategies from the re re uh, revision revolution as well as others to really start creating a uh, revolution within the school. And I'm very excited that in September, that's one of the things that we'll be focusing on um, one form period um, each week where we're looking at how we effectively revise um, and we will model the strategies explicitly. We'll give students the opportunity to work on it in pairs before they can work on it individually. So we're creating an ethos within school of how to effectively revise before we look at creating that ethos at home as well. Um, so yes, it's a brilliant book. Um, one that I absolutely love um, and one that I found very, very useful. Um, and I hope that um, you um, also will have, an op uh, have the opportunity to read it. And please do share uh, your thoughts and your views um, uh, via Twitter or whatever it is um, you can. Um, because I do think it's a really, really important book, particularly now following um, COVID and all the issues that surround that listening to from page to practice join the conversation on twitter using hashtag page practice podcast thank you for contribution gurv and next we are going to hear from hannah my name is hannah thomas i'm a biology teacher at a welsh medium secondary school in south wales my twitter handle is at hsl thomas 86 i'm going to be discussing how the Revision Revolution by Helen Howell with Ross Morrison McGill has improved my practice. I actually purchased the book after attending a webinar um, that they held uh, in order to promote the book. I found the content of the webinar so intriguing um, that I knew I had to learn more. Um, so I purchased the book and I read it in one sitting. Uh, I've taught in a number of schools since qualifying 11 years ago, um, a mixture of Welsh medium and English medium schools. And one common statement that pupils make is, I don't know how to revise. Um, so I decided that that was what I wanted to target this year, especially since our year 10 and 11 pupils had never sat an exam before um, due to COVID. So I started experimenting uh, with retrieval practice um, and different strategies surrounding uh, retrieval practice because I wanted to develop a healthier attitude towards revision. 
The Revision Revolution was actually released at a perfect time for me and my pupils. Um, and I was hooked from the introduction. I was uh, happy to see that I was doing a number of the strategies that are discussed in the book. For example, pose, pause, pounce, bounce uh, to develop discussion and do a coding to improve retrieval. Um, but I have to confess that a lot of that was down to chance um, and not because I realised the value of those strategies in revision. So from the book, I learnt why these te techniques are so good and how to develop them further. After reading the book, I went full steam ahead uh, with Year 10 and Year 11 and the impact was astounding. I saw pupils gaining confidence. Um, they were more positive. Their attitude towards revision was uh, a lot more positive. They had deeper discussions in class. They were more independent when they were studying. And of course, their attainment improved. And what was nice to see was these revision skills that I was developing with them in biology were actually transferable and they were using them in other lessons. And as a result, I had teachers come in and asking um, about um, these techniques and obviously I recommended the book to them because it really is about developing lifelong learners rather than learners that are just good at cramming for exams. Uh, so with this in mind, I then started focusing on year eight um, because the book mentions uh, the importance of starting these um, skills early on. So the word revision w is always met with a massive groan in year eight. So I knew I had to change the perception of revision and to shift the culture um, in the whole class. So we started by making our own flashcards and testing each other. And if they answered the question correctly, it went into a pile. And if it was incorrect, it went um, back to the bottom of the pack. Um, and that question would be used again. Um, the look on their faces when I informed them that they'd been revising all lesson was priceless. Um, they were so eager to revisit the flashcards and to make new ones um, that it was a real success and it was something that they could do themselves um, and that they could use then in other lessons. Um, I started using more and more strategies with them and the more they learnt, the more confidence they gained, the more they valued revision and saw that it wasn't just something that they had to do uh, right before a test, that it was something that was built into lessons to help them retrieve information and to help them improve. What I loved about the book was that it contained um, a step-by-step -step guide uh, to lead you through your revolution and also a timeline so that you knew where you should be during the academic year. 
it was very useful that there were so many strategies in there that could be used straight away with a class. But there was also the explanations um, as to why they were so good. And that really deepened my knowledge and my understanding. What helped also was there were so many references in the book. So again, I could go and do further reading. I've definitely had a mini revolution in my classes this year. But I am looking forward to the next academic year so that we can uh, put a whole pla- whole year's plan into place, um, really develop this further, uh, develop it across the department and continue with our revolution. We're currently back at step one, uh, looking how we can uh, deepen and enhance the curriculum so that uh, we'll be ready to go in September and provide all these pupils with um, these invaluable skills. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Hannah. And our next reader contribution comes from Catherine. Hello, my name's Catherine and I'm a head of science at a Nottinghamshire school. And two days a week, I also work across the trust as trust lead for science. I absolutely loved Revision Revolution. The book brought together a really useful set of strategies in order to be able to support students in how to effectively revise. But more importantly than that, the whole book was set out as an implementation guide. And so you could pick up the book and from day one, you could look at implementing this across your whole school or across a department. My favourite quote from the book was this, embedding revision revolution starts on the first day and it must be explicit through the curriculum. I just love this idea that the curriculum is at the core of whatever we do, but revision shouldn't just be crammed in at the end of year 11 or something that students have to do just before a test, but that revision is a constant thing that students need to be doing to revisit the concepts that we teach them, that curriculum that we teach them, and that that revision needs to be really explicitly taught to those students in front of us. We can't expect them to just walk out of our lessons and create revision notes or to self-quiz themselves unless we've actually modelled it for them. Now, in my department, we were building a knowledge-rich curriculum. And for many years, we've had a spiral curriculum, which is quite unusual for a science department. And we had a spiral curriculum so that we had that interweaving and that constant revisiting of concepts to allow students to revise regularly the key concepts of science. But what the book highlighted that we were missing was that idea of modelling revision. So while we were constantly revisiting concepts and perhaps reteaching and checking for understanding and Um, checking for misconceptions and correcting those in our lessons, what we weren't necessarily doing was actually embedding those revisions techniques for the students to be able to do it at home. We weren't modelling those in the classroom. 
I also love the fact that Helen talks about really thinking about starting small, not trying to implement too much at once, taking it one step at a time. And she gives a really clear time frame of how to do that. And so for anyone who's perhaps unsure on how to implement this, or to be honest, any strategy, I love the fact that actually it was really clear and concise in how to do that. And the fact that this will take time. The impact that this book has had um, predominantly over the last six months has been within my own classroom. So I have really looked to model revision techniques. So I've modelled with my students regularly the Leitner method of using flashcards and try to emphasise with them that it's not the writing of the revision cards of the flashcards that is the important bit and that's the revision. The actual revision is how they use them. I've tried really to stress this emphasis on making or not making revision notes but rather than self-quizzing from a set of revision notes or making what I like to call recall notes so where students try and recall as much as they can and then almost binning them getting rid of them and then trying that exercise on that same thing again. I'm really really pleased with the progress that my year 10 students have made Um, where I've been quite explicit about modelling these revision techniques. And I'm really proud that actually 90% of them can now recall um, most of the physics equations that they need to know for their exam. And this has just been down to that constant modelling of how to revise and how to use these methods. We've looked to develop opportunities to use Cornell notes in lessons. So where we're getting the students to summarise their their understanding and their learning from that lesson to create their own self-quizzing questions so that they can use them at home. And we've held parents' evenings to teach the parents how we're modelling these um, revision techniques and to teach them how they can support their students at home through that idea of self-quizzing. Over the last six months, whilst I've been doing that in my own classroom, I've also been thinking about how I can actually implement this more widely across the department. And as is normal over this this time of year, we have been developing and checking in on our curriculum, checking what is working and what isn't working. And the one thing that we've really honed in on for this year is built in time to use the low states quizzing and built in that time to teach the students how to use their knowledge organisers as a self-quizzing tool. We've built in time to model the revision strategies that were suggested. And we've also used time to develop core questions in order to support the students in self-testing. And not only really to support the students in that, but also to support the parents. So they know the kind of questions that they can ask of their students that will help support that constant revision. Our next steps is to bring it in across um, year groups. And we're going to start with our year nine students because those are our students that um are starting their journey and looking at the fundamentals of GCSE. And so we want to start with them so that they're in a good place for when they do need to revise for their GCSEs. And what I really liked about the book was some of the resources that also came along with it. So there were PowerPoint slides for assemblies that are 
almost up and ready to go. And so our plan for September is to launch this with those students and to take the, the implementation through from those year nines. We're also going to have a look at how we can then start introducing this to our year sevens because I think what's really fundamental is this isn't about GCSEs. This is about a lifelong love of revision. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Catherine. I've decided I'm not going to bother introducing our final contributors for today. For those of you who are regular listeners, you'll recognise them immediately. And for those who are listening for the first time, they introduce themselves anyway. Hi, I'm Dave Tushingham and I'm a lead practitioner in a school in Bristol. Hi, my name's Rhiannon Rainbow and I'm school improvement leader at Maths for the Greenshaw Learning Trust. And we've been reading recently The Revision Revolution, How to Build a Culture of Effective Study in Your School by Helen Howe with Ross Morrison-McGill. Um, and um, it's been an incredible book um, for us as we think about our year 10s uh, going into year 11s and what we can do uh, particularly to support our students in the actor revision. Because um, very honestly, for years I have spent um, time supporting my students in how to revise by telling them maybe to revise more and um, and telling them to to read these particular passages but not really giving particular detail of the specific things they can do um, in order to have that success um, and so just reading through the book um, I felt like it's a, a really good book um, for for others to read um, as well because it doesn't just talk about the ideas it talks about a culture um, and and it's um, talks it sort of links pastoral to raise an achievement and, and makes you think more about uh, what you can do um, for the, um, the the holistic picture for each and every student that you are supporting. Um, it talks about um, particular techniques, um, as we said, like self-quizzing, for example, um, brain dumps, um, right, listing everything that you can remember, um, flashcards. And, and these have really informed some of the assemblies that we've had as we prepare our year 7 for their mock season um, and, and moving into year 11. Um, so uh, what we've done off the back of reading this book is we've had um, an assembly week where we've all made a video about the do's and don'ts of self-quizzing using some of the ideas in the book um, and brain dumps and flashcards. Um, and, and the book talks about the importance of the language. So we've really talked carefully with the students as well um, and shared with them um, sort of the reasons why we might call it a quiz and not a test, for example. Um, so that the students really understand that. But what came out for me was the level of scaffolding that would be required as we explain to our students how to go through this process, like we might model in the classroom. And and so so it was um, just a real eye-opener as to, to how we can support our students and how we can use lots of the, the techniques that we use when modelling an example to our students in a class. Uh, we can use when um, teaching students how to revise as well. Yeah, and I think it's just... I really like now that we've come a long way from or a number of us from just giving our students that instruction. Right. OK, now off you go and revise as if it's a separate thing to what we do. And it just it doesn't break it down into something that's manageable for them or, or helps to give them those those skills that they need longer term. Um, and, and 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 this book lays that out even more. And, and the fact that it frames it as a culture means it's not just a one off. It's not a silver bullet. It's not a tick list. It's it's a part of a bigger thing. And I think there's a lot to be said about how impactful something like self-quizzing can be. 
But it's not just a case of, as it, as it says, it's not just a case of, right, okay, now we're going to do some self-quizzing. You have to lay the landscape in advance. It's you have to explicitly explain to staff and to students the what, the why, and the how behind it and help to guide them through that process. And as you said, to, to scaffold it for them. Um, in in some of our schools, we, we, we also have sessions timetabled in that help to support them with learning different approaches for when it comes to independent learning. So we'll timetable in sessions to show them how to do um, how to do the self-quizzing, how to do flashcards, what it is and, and how it works. And also, I suppose that example and non-example as well, the what it is to, that's ten, that is most impactful and what it is not which is often what, what people can fall into with the trap such as going through a textbook and highlighting it is not going to be one of the most impactful ways um, of, of trying to get that information. And I think I really like the direction we're going with that. And when it comes to self-quizzing, um, a number of our schools for homework brought in for homework instead of projects etc there are there are different things that often subjects like English and maths and then for other subjects they have self-quizzing homeworks built into their planner so there are five school days a week there are five pages in their planner for each week where they can do self-quizzing and they're meant to do one day on geography one day on history etc and it's using their knowledge organizers or what they've done in schools and then and that's a really helpful way across the school to build that culture. But then we're moving it one step further again and saying, OK, well, maybe it's not the students who are best informed as to what they should be self-quizzing on and to help make sure that the, the questions are in full sentences, etc. And, and, and to make sure that they're focusing on the retrieval aspect. Some schools are now pre-populating those. So they're actually giving the students the self-quizzing questions for that week based around um, what they've done previously, what's coming up, all or all of the the, the the cognitive science behind interleaving, etc. As well, and I think that is just another step forward that we've gone. And uh, you know, I, I suppose whilst I'm here, uh, one place to start if if people are thinking, okay, what might this look like? Um, the John Cat um, Knowledge Quiz series of books for all sorts of subjects at GCSE and A levels. Go and have a look at those. Look at what other people have put together. Adam Box has done one for science. You've got um, Joe Morgan's done them for, for GCSE maths. You've got um, all sorts of incredible names that have, that have started that process. So, so go and take a look at what they've done as well to help support you in creating the culture, um, which is what I really like about what this book has said, not just a list of strategies, but how to help to bring that culture to your team and your department and how you work. I think you're absolutely right. And I think this book has been so helpful for framing some of those ideas moving forward. Um, the, the book, um, as it set out, as you said, about um, talks, talks about why we might use self-quizzing and then how we might use it. And that's really, really important and helpful for us. Um, it talks about knowledge organisers being a resource that's put together by a subject teacher, including key information. But um, they can be flawed and it's about how you use them. And the book is, is just incredibly helpful for those ideas on on what you might do to use them as your 
describe. And I really like how the book also, um, at the end of the chapter, will, will have a quiz and a reflection and a summary, which, which helps us to sort of engage in that revision process almost um, that, that we want our students to do. So it's, uh, it, it really helps us to understand further um, what we want our students to be doing um, in that as well. Um, and, um, and, and it really sort of helps um, us to appreciate more about the importance of homework um, and, um, and encouraging our students to be more independent with that process and how we maybe take that scaffolding um, away over time. Yeah, and, and, and as you said earlier on, the, the language around calling it a quiz rather than an assessment. So there's, there's, there's a lot of discussion around it being low stakes so that it's seen as part of that developmental cycle, it takes the pressure away, and it helps students to engage with it more. Um, and I think that's that's a really helpful way to frame it as well. And I, I remember a colleague bringing that into, into something that he'd read um, a few years ago, Luke Mosley, um, and he wanted he did a bit of training with us as a team to talk about calling it a quiz instead and the what and the why behind it. And and we very then quickly adjusted our practices to take that on board. And because I think those subtle things have a really big impact, especially when, as as they talk about in this book, we're talking about culture. Absolutely. And um, and I, I guess just as we wrap up here, um, one thing that I've taken away um, from the book is, is some, some more thoughts about what I want to do next. Um, it is, I think, our job um, wants reading this book to, to think about um, and decide how we can run uh, with introducing the ideas and resources um, that are in the book. There's, um, there's QR codes um, through the book that um, offer just so much and, and we need to decide which is the highest leverage resource for us and I think it'll be different for different people and, and it's just a, a great place to go um, to go and collect those ideas but in order to, to do it well I think there's some real thoughts to to sort of be had around or what our specific students need um, at a particular time in our journey and and then um, thinking about how we might implement them. So um, so wonderful book, really, really good read. Highly, highly recommend it. And, um, and yeah, just thank you um, for, for writing it, guys. Yeah, and for me, my takeaway would be that my takeaway would be that not to have that assumed knowledge for everybody in the team that actually it's worth revisiting it with staff and students, maybe in September or at another pertinent point in the year, because then you can refresh your memory as to what the why and the how. And looking at what they've written in this book has just reminded me that it's, it's always worthwhile revisiting. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Ree. Really enjoyed that. And, uh, and thank you everyone for listening. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. That's it for today and until September for From Page to Practice. A big thank you to all the readers and authors who've contributed to the last 15 episodes and of course the two series prior to this one. Please, if you have a moment this summer, do pop a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, share with colleagues or even check out episodes from further back. I'd really appreciate it. Whilst some page to practice has gone over the summer, why don't you give something else a try? Have you ever listened to Teachers Talk Radio? If you're interested in education and want to hear from a wide range of teachers from around the world, which, as listeners to this podcast, I guess must be true, I highly recommend giving it a listen. You can listen live via ttradio.org or listen back on all good podcast platforms. 
There's even a search function on the Listen Back page where you can type the name of any host or guest to find shows featuring them quickly and easily. I bet you'll find something you like. Don't forget to come back to us when we return in September. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash pagepracticepodcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.